All right. It's good to be here and share with you tonight. As I was telling some of you already, I've not um, worked through this message before, so I'm not sure whether we're going to be really early or really late. I don't think we'll be really late. Anyway, in March of 1991, Reader's Digest ran this story. David, who came from a big city, wasn't prepared for the approach rural Maine businessmen take toward their customers. Shortly after David moved there, he rented a rototiller. The store owner showed him how it worked and explained that the charge was not based on how many hours he had it out, but rather how long he actually used it. Looking over the tiller for some kind of meter, David asked, how will you know how long I've used it? With a puzzled look, the owner simply said, you tell me. <coughs> in, in September of the same year, Senator Dan Coates told this story. A high school values clarification class conducted by a teacher in Teaneck, New Jersey, a girl in the class had found a purse containing $1,000 and returned it to its owner. The teacher asked the class for the teacher asked for the class's reaction. Every single one of her fellow students concluded the girl had been foolish. Most of the students contend that if someone is careless, they should be punished. When the teacher was asked what he said to the students, he responded, well, of course, I didn't say anything. If I came from the position of what is right and what is wrong, then I'm not their counselor. I can't impose my views. And so here we have two sides or two views at the subject we want to think about tonight. Discipline, I'm sorry, integrity, and lack thereof. As was mentioned, our title tonight is Discipline of Integrity. Maybe we should begin this evening by defining the word integrity. Somebody take a shot. How do you define integrity? And speak up because I am hard of hearing. I know I need hearing aids, but I don't have any, so. Who wants to define integrity? Speak up. Being the same on the inside as you are on the outside. Okay. Someone else. Doing what's right when no one's watching. I missed the second part. Doing what's right when no one's watching. Okay. Being the same the whole way through. Yep. Okay. Anyone else? It sounds like we got a pretty good idea of what the word means. One definition that I kind of like, and it only partly defines the word, but it's a quote by M.H. McKee, which says, Wisdom is knowing the right path to take, integrity is taking it. And so integrity has this idea with it that when we know what the right thing to do is, we do it. 
we follow through with that. <coughs> now, the title of our subject, Discipline of Integrity, indicates that integrity doesn't come to us by default. It is not something that we naturally lean towards. Rather, it is a trait that requires discipline to develop. We need to work at it. We need to discipline ourselves for it. The Day America Told the Truth is a book based on an extensive survey that was done in America. In this survey, or for this survey, they guaranteed the participants ambiguity, or you participate in the survey, nobody knows what the answers, what answers you gave to the questions. So you, there's no pressure to answer in a certain way. You share from your heart. They did an extensive survey and um, it revealed an alarming crisis of integrity in America. Only 13% of Americans said they see all Ten Commandments as binding on us today. 91% confessed they lie regularly at home and at work. 91% of Americans lie regularly at home and at work. Most workers confessed I'm sorry, most workers own up to goofing off an average of seven hours per week at work. How would that work? That's almost one day out of the work week. Most workers say one day out of the five. I pretty much put in my time, goofed off. Half America's workers admit to calling in sick when they're perfectly fine. The survey posed this question. What are you willing to do for $10 million? What are you willing to do for $10 million? A, abandon your family. 25% said, write me the check, I'll walk away today. B, are you willing to serve as a prostitute for one week? 23% said, pay me. Are you willing to kill a stranger? 7% in my own words, would have said, give me a check and a name. Think about that for a moment. If you're at the farm show this week, look down the hallway, and you see the hundred people in front of you, seven, seven of them are willing to kill you for the right price. R. Kent Hughes in his book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, writes, even casual observers can see the demise of integrity in the whole range of American culture. 
Again, the day America told the truth, went on to point out an interesting discovery from this survey about ethics in the workplace. Current ethics at work are low, but they would be a lot lower if it were not for a great number of women who entered the workforce in recent years. The survey reflects that women in this country behave more ethically than men. On every question probed, women held a higher moral standard than men. Less than half as many women as men believe the only way to get ahead is cheap. Less women believe politics rather than hard work is the way to success. Oftentimes in the workplace, it's the women who get accused of playing politics, not so. <coughs> women are much less willing to compromise values. Women are more willing to quit as a matter of principle if they learn their company is involved in something illegal. If, a valu if valuable company property is stolen, the thief will be a man six times out of seven. Men, this natural tendency to stray from integrity amongst the male gender is something we need to really take note of. I'm not sure what all lies underneath that. But there's something about the male gender that has a really, really strong bend to walk away from integrity. We can say, you know, those statistics, they're American culture at large, and that's true. This was an extensive survey done across our American culture at large. Unfortunately, there is very little statistical difference between religious and non-religious. Gallup statistics tell us 43% of non-churchgoers admit to pilfering supplies from their workplace. Gallup statistics also tell us 37% of churchgoers admit to the same thing. And so there's only, we're only talking about a 6% difference. <coughs> Back to the day America told the truth. They found this. Christians are almost as likely, almost as likely as non-Christians to falsify tax returns, to commit plagiarism, to bribe to obtain a building permit to ignore construction specs, to illegally copy computer or software programs, to steal time, to exaggerate a product, to tell people what they want to hear, or to selectively obey the laws. What's my point? The bottom line is, across the board, America has an integrity crisis. The reason for this integrity crisis 
is because we are fundamentally dishonest. We are congenital liars. Apostle Paul makes this observation about the depravity of man in Romans 3, 9, and 10. It reads like this. What then? Are we better than they? No. In no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 13, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. From this passage, we can conclude that it doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter whether you descend from God's people of old or from the pagan Gentile race. We all have this sin nature. We have this bend toward being fundamentally dishonest. That includes us as conservative and Baptist Mennonites as well. Years ago, <coughs> excuse me, years ago, I worked for Martin's Country Markets, and one day I was approached in the store by an elder gentleman, church-going, upstanding person, um, better off in this world than most, and he said, hey, I bought a gallon of milk the other day, and when I went to use it this morning, it was sour. What, what, what can you do? I said, oh, that's odd. Sorry to hear about that. I'm not sure how that happened, but get a gallon out of the dairy and be on your way. You know, sorry that happened. Not sure how it happened. And a couple days later, he comes to me in the store and he says, Dwayne, he says, I need to talk to you. He says, um... The other day you gave me a gallon of milk because I told you half the story. He said, I, I don't know why I did this. He said, I never did anything like this before. He said, but what actually happened is I bought a gallon of milk and went home and forgot about it and I left it in my truck in the summer heat for a number of hours. And then I took it in the house and put it in the fridge. And then he said, I was so upset at my mistake, I came in here and threw away my integrity for a dollar and a half gallon of milk. He said, I want to pay you for the, the milk. And I said, well, I said, I really don't, really don't care about the money. I said, but that integrity that you just threw away, the fact that you were willing to come back to me and admit to that, you've just restored your integrity is what has happened. And I say all that to say this. This man was a conservative, church-going man. I say that to say we all, it doesn't matter who we are, what our nationality is, what our background is, whether we're, we're a... a um, Keystone Mennonite Fellowship, uh, pastor, deacon, Sunday school teacher, whatever. We need to be on guard. Even the professing believer 
is susceptible to throwing away their integrity. <coughs> Excuse me, I quote again from R. Kent Hughes. No one has to instruct us in the art of dishonesty. Every once, every, even once we are regenerated, if we don't discipline ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we return to deceit like a duck to water. Even after we're regenerated, if we don't discipline ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we return to deceit like a duck to water. I've personally learned that lesson in my life, and I think some of you have as well. We need to be on guard. We will live with this sin nature that we were born with until God calls us home. Now, the biblical idea of integrity has the root idea of completeness, and we've heard that from several of you in your definitions. This idea of, of a person of integrity as being a person who is whole. The English word integrity is derived from the Latin word integritas, meaning wholeness, entireness, or completeness. <coughs> integrity characterizes the entire person, not just part of him. He is righteous and honest through and through. I think one of you mentioned that. Not only not only what he believes inside, or but because of what he believes inside, he also acts on the outside as well. And so because of our, our belief in, in Christ and, and, and in his word and his principles, because of our deep-rooted uh, deep beliefs, it fleshes out in our lives. Psalm 15, I invite your attention to Psalm 15. Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Excuse me. This is who we are to be as believers. This is who we are to aspire to be by God's grace and the indwelling power of his spirit within us. The question is, when you look at that passage, is that the kind of person that you are? Is that the kind of person that I am? 
Am I one who, who will not backbite with my tongue? Am I one who will not take reproach against my neighbor? Am I one who swears to my own hurt? What that means is if I give you my word on something and then I discover I'm going to lose a chunk of change on this, I'll keep my word. It's my loss. I gave you my word and I'm going to stand by it. <clears throat> Am I one who walks uprightly? Surveys indicate that one of the most common reasons for lying is to cover up something that we did wrong. The second most popular reason is to keep things emotionally pleasant. And so I will withhold the truth. I won't express the truth or speak the truth just for the sake of peace. I'll keep my mouth shut. Things will go better and um, so on and so forth. Now, I don't think that we probably had a, have a lot of issues with those. Um, we may not lie to cover our mistakes. We may not withhold the truth for the sake of peace. But what about our dealings with other people? How, how do we interact and deal with others? What about business deals we do with others? Do they lack integrity? Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but they that deal truly are his delight. And I want to think about the second part of that for a moment. They that deal truly are his delight. Am I true in my dealings? Am I a person of integrity? A person uh, who can be trusted? One whose word is good and, and reputable? The story is told of three contractors who were touring the White House on the same day. One was from New York, another from Missouri, and the third from Florida. At the end of the tour, the guard asked them what they did for a living. When they each replied that they were contractors, the guard said, hey, we need to repair a section of fence in the back. Why don't you guys look at it and submit a bid? So they walked back to the fence and first up was the Florida contractor. He takes out his pencil and his tape measure and he does some measuring and uh, begins to figure and he says this job will run $900, 400 in materials, 400 for my crew and $100 for me in profit. The individual from Missouri, again, does his measuring and his figuring, and he says this job would run about $700, 300 in materials, 300 in um, fees for my crew or wages for my crew, and $100 for me in profit. The guard asked the New York contractor how much, without so much as moving, the contractor says that will be $2,700. The guard looks at him and says, you didn't even measure as the others, how do you come up with such a high figure? 
And the contractor says, that's easy. That's $1,000 for you, $1,000 for me, and we hire the guy from Missouri. <coughs> we can laugh, and it is funny. But the truth is, that is the world in which we live today. That is the way business gets done day after day day in and day out. Are we people of integrity? Are we people who can be trusted? Do we use uh, fair measure? When somebody pays us, do they get their money's worth? Do they get value? God has blessed the Anabaptist people with a good work ethic. As a result, many of his people have become successful in business. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the way the world does business has caused professing believers to sacrifice integrity to grow their business or advance their careers. And so we need to, we need to keep that in mind because what tends to happen as we interact with these things and they're commonplace in, in society, it tends to rub off. If we're not careful and soon we begin to um, be slippery as well and, and, and shady and, and uh, so on. We live in a world where integrity is under attack. And it is not as commonplace amongst the believers as it ought to be. <clears throat> what can we do to become people of integrity and remain that way? What does it take for us to be people of integrity and to remain that way? What do you think? How did you learn to become a person of integrity? Or what are some things that happened in your life that taught you the importance of integrity? What do you think? I'm not convinced that you're not people of integrity. And I do know that you don't remain a person of integrity by default. It doesn't work that way. How, how, did, how did you come to the place where you saw value in being a person of integrity? And how do you maintain integrity when you go out in the workplace tomorrow, depending where you work, and you are bombarded with all kinds of opportunity to be anything but a person of integrity? What is it about you that... that, that helps you to walk in integrity. I would say my, my father didn't call me that 
So I, I heard actually two things from you. I heard example, and I also heard accountability, the, the, the fear of God one day. Someone else. You see, you, you, you found value in, in, in having that clear conscience. <coughs> I'm sorry, I missed that. There's, there's a, a freedom before God and man. Yep. Anyone else? I think one of the things that we need to remember as people is we're not perfect people. We will make mistakes. But I think for myself, one of the things that actually, while it's hard to do, is of tremendous value when you make the mistake and you go back and you say, hey, that helps, at least for myself, that helps you in the future to make the right decision. We need to keep moving here. Um, thank you for your input. <coughs> One of the things that I that I think about that that um, that uh, leads to a people of integrity is is we need the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. John four, First uh, John four four is so clear: "You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world." Like it or not. The sin nature that we are born with is stronger than we are by ourselves. That's a fact. Think about it. Every one of us has sinned. We've fallen short of God's standard of righteousness. The fact that we have sinned tells us that our sin nature we were born with is stronger than our own ability to make right decisions and live in righteousness and walk in integrity. And so we need the, in, 
indwelling power of God's Spirit in our lives, we need to come to the place in life where we repent of our sin and we allow the Spirit to take up residence, the Spirit of an Almighty God to take up residence in the throne of our heart. And there, as He rules and reigns in our lives, He can convey to us wisdom and He can convey to us the power to do the right thing when we're at the crossroads. I can make a quick thousand bucks here and nobody's going to be the wiser or I can do the right thing. And I can say, hey, you know what? I found this. <coughs> we need God's Spirit within us. The other thing that I want us to think about here as well is it's referred to here this evening as the discipline of integrity. A life legacy as a person of integrity is won by working at it day after day, opportunity after opportunity, knowing what the right thing to do is, and then following through with that. No, we won't be perfect. That's what the cross is for. But don't let that be an excuse for not striving for victory again tomorrow. It is interesting how one victory stacked upon another in this area of integrity starts to build a pattern in our lives. And many of us we were raised that way from, our parents raised us that way from children, and we don't really understand how developing those patterns of making right choices is a tremendous blessing. Stacking one victory upon another in this area of integrity begins to build a pattern in your life until it becomes habitual to be a person of integrity. American businessman and president of Bylow's stores in the 1970s, Frank Outlaw, is credited with saying, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch the, your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. We must discipline ourselves to be people of integrity. The earlier we start that in life, the better off we are. Dads, I saw a lot of young children. Excuse me, I saw a lot of young children here this evening. Dads, it's extremely important to be the example that you were talking about that our children see the value in integrity. I'm gonna close with this. He was 11 years old and went fishing every chance he got from a dock at his family's cabin on an island in the middle of New Hampshire Lake. On the day before the bass season opened, he and his father were fishing early in the evening, catching some fish with perch, catching some fish and perch with worms. When he tied on a small silver lure and practiced casting, the lure struck the water and caused the colored ripples in the sunset. 
thin silver, silver ripples as the moon rose over the lake. When his pole doubled over, he knew something huge was on the other end. His father watched with admiration as the boys skillfully worked the fish alongside the dock. Finally, he gingerly lifted the exhausted fish from the water. It was the largest one he had ever seen. It was a bass. The boy and his father looked at the handsome fish, gills playing back and forth in the moonlight. The father lit a match and looked at his watch. It was 10 p.m., two hours before the season opened. He looked at the fish, then at the boy. You will have to put him back, son, he said. Dad, cried the boy. There will be another fish, said his father. Not as big as this one, cried the boy. He looked, at the, he looked around the lake. No other fishermen or boats were around in the moonlight. He looked again at his father. Even though no one has seen them, nor could anyone ever know what time he caught the fish, the boy could tell by the clarity of his father's voice that this decision was not negotiable. He slowly worked the hook out of the lip of the huge bass and lowered it into the black water. The creature swished its powerful body and disappeared. The boy suspected that never again would he see such a great fish. That was 34 years ago. Today the boy is a, a successful architect in New York City. His father's cabin is still there on the island in the middle of the lake. He takes his own son and daughters fishing from the same dock. He was right. He was never again, he has never again caught such a magnificent fish as the one he landed that night long ago. But he does see that same fish again and again every time he comes up against a question of, of ethics. You think about that. Let's pray. Father God, indeed it was good to gather in your house and think of about being people of integrity. Father, I just pray that you would empower us to live lives that honor and glorify you. Empower us to live lives as people of integrity that the, the world around us might be drawn to us because we are a people of integrity and reflect the righteousness, the holiness, the trustworthiness of you, O God. I just pray that your blessing upon each one of my fellow believers here as we go from this place and tomorrow we would walk in integrity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.